maybe I'm on, there I'm on. Uh, Matt hadn't talked to me, Paula hadn't talked to me, but it's amazing to me how the songs go right along with our message this morning of standing in his love. Uh, most of you are probably coming here today and you want a message on Thanksgiving. Uh, we, had, in the last few weeks, you know, we've been talking about the transformed believer. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, last week of the, the, that we are, or, well, the first week we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Uh, we understand at the moment that we become a believer and we put our trust and faith in Christ and that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again for my sin. We are justified before God. And uh, then at that moment, we understand that we're justified. Several things take place. We, we are, uh, it, in, it's important for us to, to understand that the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us at that point. Where there's several things that take place, but probably the most important is the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us and teaches us all things about God, convicts us of sin, uh, guides us in the will of God, uh, helps us discern truth, and is part of the, very much part of that transforming the, the, the believer. And it just as the, the message, the songs that we've heard this morning of standing in God's love and, and the, the song the choir sang, Just, just a Closer Walk with Thee, that is, uh, that's what it's all about. Once we are saved, uh, once we are justified and, and the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us, then, then we begin our sanctification process. And I call it a sanctification process. That doesn't mean you're, to be sanctified means that you're set apart for God's will, for his purpose, for his glory. And, and we understand that as Christians, but does that mean that at the point that I'm saved, I no longer sin, and now all of a sudden I know everything there is to know about what God wants for my life? Absolutely not. That's why Matt sings the song, Daily I Must Stand in His Love. Daily I need to look and walk with him. Uh, the choir sang just a closer walk with thee. That's my plea, Lord, that I walk close to you. I can't do it on my own. Uh, and so we're, we're looking at this, and, and our first message was, was justified by faith. Uh, second message was sanctified by faith. Today I, want, I was going to go into the, the, the justification, sanctification, and glorification. But God changed my mind. We're going we're gonna to talk some more about our sanctification process as we talked last week. And how I live by faith. How do I live daily by faith? Uh, so I'd like to talk to you some about that this morning as, as we look at this process of our sanctification. And, and uh, we're born again into a new life. We saw where Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And he says, marvel not that you must be born again. Uh, the, and then we began to understand that we're set apart for God's purpose, for his plan. As I said, that's sanctification. Uh, we, we're sanct we saw last week that we are sanctified unto good works. Where well, we read in James that, that, uh, that uh, the faith that I have produces good works. Good works don't get me to heaven if you missed it. And, and I would encourage you, if you have missed any of these messages... Go to bborm.org. 
Look at the message. Listen to them all. Because if you just get one, you might listen to it and say, what is he talking about? Well, probably the second one will clear up what I was talking about in the first one. The third one, I hope, clears up what I was talking about in the second one. And the fourth one's going to clear up the third one. So it all goes together. But unfortunately, uh, that's taken me so far, what, hour and a half, two hours to preach those messages? And I'm not done yet. So if y'all want to just spend a straight three or four hours, we'll talk about it. But I have to break it up into these messages. So uh, go, to, go to the website, look at it, listen to the message, get it all together. Because I really, if I said that this is probably some of the most important messages that I feel like I've preached in the last, since I've been here. For you to understand your justification, to understand sanctification and your glorification. Uh, I think it would help you in your Christian walk. It would help you to understand all these things. So, um, as we as we look at these things and we uh, try to figure out this sanctification thing, last week we we talked about James and and how that we're say we're we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, and how our faith produces good works. Uh, how we how we do things, and, and I think I probably left you last week thinking, eh, I don't know. You know, I don't know that I'm always producing good works, and a lot of preachers will will take that and and uh, and, and say, you know, you're saved. And I've even heard preachers, I, I've heard a preacher, and I've heard others say it. Now that I'm saved, I no longer sin. Well, you're a better man than me. You're a better man than what God says in his word. You're a better man than Paul. You're a better man than Isaiah. You're a better man than all the people in scripture. Because at the point, you're a better man than Abraham. He was justified by his faith. Did Abraham doubt? Did Abraham sin? Absolutely. So you can't really make that statement but, but, uh, uh, and, and be truthful about it. Now, in the eyes of God, do you not sin? Absolutely. God looks at you no longer as a sinner. Why? Because you don't sin? Come on, y'all wake up and get with me this morning. Put your thinking cap on. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When, Christ, when God sees me, he sees the blood of his, of his son. The Paid for my sin. Therefore, I stand justified before him as I've never sinned. Just as if I had never sinned. That's the way God views me only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because I don't sin. So I want to clear that up. So let me get back on my my track here. I sort of chased a rabbit for a minute and I hope I caught him. But today you may be sitting here maybe after the message last week and you say... Wow, preacher, there's a lot of times, I, you know, I, I don't feel very sanctified. I don't feel like I'm really doing what I should be doing. And, you know, to the point we get to, and then Satan will get in there and say, I'm not sure you're justified. Am I alone on this? You ever felt like that? They just, uh, boy, I just don't act like what they talk about in James chapter 1. I don't act like these old patriarchs of the Bible. I don't act like the good old son. I don't act like Jack. I mean, he's a saint. 
I wish I could be half the Christian Jack is. You ever compared yourself to people like that? It's, boy, am I, I don't wonder if I'm even saved. I wonder if I'm even justified, let alone sanctified. And there's many times we just don't feel it. Uh, there are times that all the works and deeds that, uh, the, that are not very pleasing to God. Hmm. Uh, we want to please God. We want to do the right thing. But my wife, ooh, she makes me so mad sometimes. I had to throw something out there, honey. My children. What about my boss? My boss just makes me so mad I can't see straight. Makes me do things I knew I shouldn't do and say things I shouldn't say. And if all that fails, what about the knuckleheads that don't know how to drive out there? Everybody driving down That's not very Christian, not very sanctified-like, is it? So we're always fighting with these things. There's, there's always somebody else that causes you to do things, right? Now, the, the truth is, is it's within us, but the, uh, the truth is we, we find we live in a world where people is, uh, that can't seem to think for themselves sometimes uh, and that you're the only one with any common sense, right? You know, they say me and David are the only one with any sense anymore. And I'm not sure about him. <laughs> and he's not sure about me, right? <laughs> See, it's all the perspective of how we are and we comparing like that. But if we compare ourselves to God, none of us think, are thinking right. None of us are where we should be, doing what we should do. Uh, can I remind you that those ones that you look at and say they don't have any common sense. How can they think such things? How can they do this? How can they do that? Can I remind you, you were much like them before Christ came into your life, before you were saved? Uh, that your outlook on life was a whole lot different once you say that. Now, I don't want to raise the hands that I was saved when I was six years old. So to me, it's hard sometimes to look back and say, how was I before six? I barely remember six. But there are some people I know that are saved later in life, and they say, what a difference. I, I never knew I could think. I never knew I could do the things that I do. And that's the Holy Spirit that comes in and changes your life. Your whole outlook and perspective uh, of life and of God's Spirit uh, is because God's Spirit is within you to reveal that to you. See, I want it today, I want to look as, a, as we go through this sanctification process. What are the struggles that we have from day to day to do the will of God? Why do I have struggles? You know, James chapter 2, when it talks about my faith, shows good works. But I just don't do that all the time. But according to James, it's not like I ought to be, right? Anybody felt that way last week after we talked? Boy, I just, I just don't measure up. I just can't seem to do what you're talking about, preacher. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We're going to start reading in verse 15. The Apostle Paul is exactly what he's talking about here. 
the struggles daily that we have. The Apostle Paul, did you know, has the same struggles you do? If you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, Brother Kenny, I know I'm saved, I know I'm justified, and and I, you tell me I'm sanctified, but I don't really feel like I'm living a very good sanctified life, and because I just I seem to fail all the time. I just have such a battle, struggle every day to do what's right. And uh, listen to what Paul says here. Romans 7, starting verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. Let me remind you, this is Apostle Paul talking. What I'm doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwelt in me. For I know that in me, that's in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will do, I do it, I, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Father, as we study your word, I pray, Father, that you just lead me and give me the words to say. Lord, help me pro proclaim your word boldly, precisely, and clearly that we would see and understand the truth of your word. Lead us by your Holy Spirit, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody ever read that before? Sort of a tongue twister. That I want to do, I don't do, and do, and what I want to do, I don't do, and I bet you can't say it ten times fast. But the point is, is this is exactly the struggle that we're talking about. Of the Christian life, a lot of people, oh, I'm saved and everything's going to be glorious. Wrong. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to get worse. Because before you were saved, Satan didn't care about you. Really. You were no threat to him. You were no problem to him. Uh, you, you didn't have the issue going on, but now that you're saved, Satan don't like it. He don't want you doing what God's called you to do, what God's sanctified you to do, set you apart to do. So he's going to do everything in his power to stop that. Uh, not to mention that now we have our own free will. We have a, a, a free will. And, 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 and before I was saved, it was, a, it was a, my old nature we'll talk about in a minute. Well, now I have this new nature, the old man or the new man uh, living within. Paul, Paul just talks about this struggle back and forth. Uh, he's talking about the, like I said, the principle of the will. Uh, that there's a battle between them. Look at verses 21 and 20 through 23. He says, I find then that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law according to the inward man. Now I'm saved. Do you, do you want to do what God wants you to do? 
I think we all can sit here and say, yeah, I absolutely would do want to do what God wants. He's the Lord of my life. He gave his son. He's, he's given all for me. I would love to do all that he wants me to do. I delight in the law of God. But do I do it? Some argue here that this was an argument Paul had before his conversion. I don't, I don't think so. Because, see, I, I don't know about you, but I do this same thing, and I know I was saved at the age of six. I think this is the Christian life. And we're going to look at it anymore. He says, verse 23, but I see another law in my members. Look at that next word, warring against the law of my mind. Warring. There's a war going on. Bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Those things that I want to do, I don't do them. Them things that I don't want to do, I do them anyway. Paul's talking about a war going on inside of him. There's a why do we have a war inside us? Why does it seem to be such a fight? Why why is it that when I'm saved, why doesn't God just take away all this war? Why doesn't God? I heard people say before, why is it when I get saved that I just don't sin anymore? Wouldn't that be a whole lot simpler? Why don't I just do everything God wants me to do and never do anything against His perfect will? Why don't I do that? That'd have been a whole lot easier if God had just made it that way, right? We're going to talk about why you do it, but I got another good reason for you. Do you know if you never sinned, even now, I mean, you're saved and you understand God's grace, His mercy, His Son died on the cross for you, paid for your sin rose again, was buried and rose again. You got all that. Now it'd just be great if I never had to struggle with that anymore, right? But I think that we, God continues to allow us to have even a free will after we're saved. He didn't just change everything about it. Because if I never sinned, I would never fully understand and appreciate the grace of God. Do you understand that? Have you ever done something wrong and somebody just says, you know what, I forgive you? How does that make you feel? It just lifts a burden. 10,000 pounds lifted off my shoulders, right? What about the God of this universe says, I forgive you? My grace is good enough for that. There's no end to my forgiveness. So I think there's, there's several reasons, but today I want to focus on this war within us, this war that's taking place that Paul is talking about, uh, this battle that we struggle with in our daily life as, as we are sanctified for his purpose. Now there's some verses in, in Romans 6 that a lot of people read, and, and they get this, that I never sin, and that Christians should never do things wrong. Now, now keep in mind, this is off the back of last week's message, where we talked about how faith that brings good works, and that we ought to do things to that's pleasing to God. Romans 6, 6 through 11, it says, Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him. In other words, our old flesh, our old sinful ways, was crucified with Christ. And that you died with Christ symbolically uh, when you surrendered your will and your mind to him and his lordship. That the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 
For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But for life uh, that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay. In chapter 6, Paul says, you're dead to sin. You've been saved. You're dead to sin. You shouldn't sin no more. And then he comes to chapter 7 and says, man, I just sin, and I don't want to. And, and, and the things I know I should do, I don't do. What's going on here? And most of you look at me like, yeah, preacher, tell us what's going on here, because you're looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate here. What is, what is the deal? What's going on? Why does Paul say this, that I'm, I'm dead to sin? I, and if you read that, you'd say, well, once I got saved, boy, I shouldn't sin anymore. My faith ought to produce nothing but good works. Nothing bad should ever come out of me. It sounds like it's contradiction. But this conflict that Paul talks in chapter 7, I think, is a very real thing. And, and we're going to look even further. Keep that in mind. Yes, our goal is to be dead from sin. Uh, to, to, to never sin, never worry about that again. You know what? That's the last sermon. That all takes place in the glorification. And I'll have to tell you in the last sermon when the glorification takes place. But until then, that is our goal. That's what we should be striving for. It doesn't mean that that's what we do. Paul's very clear of that in the next chapter. Those things that I want to do, I, I really have a desire never to sin anymore, but I still do. Let me ask you, have you been sinned since you've been saved? I think every one of us have, if we're honest with ourselves. Uh, so then there shouldn't be any more problem with sin, and we all know that's not true. So let's keep looking. Let's keep digging God's Word. We can't just take a few verses and, and form what we believe off a verse or two. So what does Scripture, what does Paul say, what does the rest of the New Testament say? Colossians, and just write these down. I won't ask you to turn. You can write them down and look at them later or listen to them later. Colossians 3, 10 through 9, or 9 through 10, Lie not one to another seeing that you have put off the old man and his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Hmm. Now, we are justified, we are sanctified to live unto good works. That is our ultimate goal. But listen to me closely. There's a slight problem. You're not yet glorified. What does that mean? I'm still living in this body. I still have the things Kenny wants to do. That's what Paul is talking about here in Colossians. You see him talk about an old man? And it's not gender related. It's just, it's our human nature. It's our old nature the things I want, the things I was taught as a child, I grew up with, I was influenced by, that is my old nature. 
of all who influenced me other than God's word. But now that I'm saved, the Holy Spirit has come to indwell me. I have a, I am a new creation, right? And I have a new nature. And Paul's talking about in Colossians here, that old nature didn't just mysteriously disappear. Now it's in there with my old and my new are in there. Remember what he talked about in Romans 7? That warring going on between good and evil. I hate to say, but between good and evil, basically. Between what I want, my selfishness, what is, what is the problem with mankind? We're selfish. We want what we want. I have, uh, before I was saved, I had no regard for what God wanted. I was just out to do what I could get, do what I want to do. No thought at all about any God or any, but now that I've understood and I've been saved, now his spirit's within me. Now I want to, now I want to service God, but I still have me to worry about. I still have this old nature, this old man that's fighting inside me every day of my life. See, now we have these two natures and they're at war. Uh, throughout scripture we see this. A lot of people say that uh, you know the story of the children of Israel when they left Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea and they went through the wilderness and they went to the promised land. That's heaven. No, it's not. That's not a picture of heaven. That's a picture of our daily Christian life. Well, Brother Kenny, why do you say that? What's the first thing they did when they crossed the Jordan and went into the promised land? They went to battle. The battle began. They, it, daily they fought battles to keep the promised land. They had to put people all around the borders to protect the enemy from coming in to the promised land. All, you, you read about David and all the battles that they would fight against the, the Philistines and the Amorites and all them otherites that they fought daily to protect this promised land. When I get to heaven, there is no more fighting, people. The battle is over as far as my conflict. Now, the battle with my sin was over on the cross. The battle with my daily life is over when I get to heaven. But for right now, it's an everyday battle. And I find myself having to protect these borders from the evil that would come to me and that would tempt me to do what Kenny wants to do. And my old nature says, ooh, ah, yeah, that look, I want to do that. Or I want to do that. I'll show that guy a thing or two. Right? It's almost like the, the bad angel, the good angel kind of thing. Yeah, that's a, you better not. I'm being funny here. It's not really a bad angel, good on Don't be looking on your shoulder. Okay? But it's that nature within us, the old and the new, conflicting and fighting one another all the time between my selfish desires and the perfect will of God. Is that clear to everybody? Why am I saying this today? Because I think there's a lot of you out here that, that listen to us preachers stand up here and we talk about, you should be dead to sin. You shouldn't sin anymore. You ought to do this. You and most of you say, I can't do it. What's the point? I'm not even going to go to church anymore. I can't measure up to what that preacher's talking about. Shame on us if we do that to you. 
I want you to know today that there's, you're okay. You're perfectly natural if you mess up. God knows you were going to mess up. He knew you was a mess when he saved you, and he knew you were going to be a mess after he saved you, and he had a lot, to work, a lot of work to do. David, some of them got more work to do than others. Right? He'll work that. We talked about it. It's his will to do his good pleasure. He's promised to work this out. But in the meantime, this battle's going on within us. Uh, so that's what Paul's talking about in, in Romans 7. He said, I see another law in my members warring against my mind. We still have a sinful nature. We still have our wants for ourselves. But this new nature wants to serve God. The constant battle. And I'm here to tell you, if you're going through that battle, you're okay. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying you're okay. God knew it. Paul knew it. All of Scripture talks about it. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a struggle. Uh, So how can I have victory over this old nature and this new nature? Write this one down, Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. How do do I win this battle within me, this struggle within me that I just can't seem to overcome? He says, but you have not, have you not so learned? Uh, Paul is talking to the people of Ephesus. Have you not understood Christ? If indeed you have heard of him and have been taught by him and the truth in Jesus Christ. In other words, you've understood the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Haven't you got that, guys? He's saying. that you, And now that you put off concerning the former conducts. That's what he's talking about last week. We don't act like we used to before we were saved. Uh, and, and I think that's a daily thing. That's a continual thing. Am I going to slip up every now and then? Absolutely. Are you? Absolutely. But our, our lifelong process should be to serve and please God. And he's talking about going and put off the former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. In other words, the old man that manifests himself through my selfish desires. Okay, that's when he comes out. But he says here in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What does that mean? That means just you need to have a new way of thinking. Uh, A lot of you are sitting here saying, boy, preacher, I just can't do it. I'll never measure up. I quit. I just can't do this Christian thing. I'm obviously never going to be what God wants me to be, so what's my point? I've met people like that. They just, I just can't. And you know what? They're right. You can't. But the one who lives within you can. And see, when you give that kind of attitude, you're giving over to that old way of thinking. It's impossible. The Bible says with God, all things are possible. That new nature says, your old nature says it's impossible. Your nature says with God all things are possible. See, his spirit that lives in you, he promises you he's going to direct you. He's going to guide you. He's going to make you what God wants you to be. But you're still going to have this struggle. 
but you could have a renewing of your mind of what is exactly going on within you, a renewing of your mind of how you think and act, and that you put on the new man, he's saying in Ephesians 4, which, has cre which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the sanctification part. The true righteousness and holiness. A new way of thinking only comes when we learn. Uh, you say, okay, now I need this new way of thinking. So I'm wrestling with my old nature. I've got a new nature that I'm struggling with. And now you just want me to think altogether different about that, Brother Kenny. Yeah, thanks. Just add on some more that I can't do. I'm fighting this battle here. How am I supposed to think about anything else? It's Galatians 5, write this one down. It tells you how to think about something else. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, if you're, if you're understanding a new way of thinking that I cannot do this, that I can't overcome and those things I want to do, I can't do and the things I don't want to do, I do and, and I can't do this. But God's spirit within me can. And if my new way of thinking says I can't, but he can, and he's promised his spirit within me was going to lead me to do it, I'm going to follow him. He says walk in the spirit. That's what I mean, following. What's the spirit leading you to do? I mean, do you think that a, that a professional football player, just, uh, you know, quarterback, just just woke up one morning at the age of 20-something years old and can throw a pass 50 yards dead on the spot? You think he just all of a sudden did that? No, he probably grew up as a little boy playing little league football and played it all the way up through high school and college and getting better and better and better. It's no different for the Christian. It talks about the Christians as newborn babes. And as they grow in Christ and they become more mature, you, you begin to find yourself where, where now I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more like God wants me. I understand that I, I did that and I need to go to Miss Tony say and confess my fault. You know, I'm sorry I offended you or, what, or whatever the case may be. You're beginning to learn like God wants you to do. You're beginning to think like the Spirit wants you to think. And the more you do it, the more it becomes your new nature. That's the sanctification process. But don't forget, the old nature is still there. It might not be quite as strong as it used to be, but it's still there. And it still can flare up. But it's a war that's always going to be going on until our, we are glorified. He says in Galatians 5, I'll finish that, for, for the lust of the flesh against the spirit. Listen to what he says. For the, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. There's that war. God's Holy Spirit within me convicting me and showing me and Kenny's saying, I want to do what Kenny wants to do. There's that struggle you see even in Galatians 5. Daily going on. And these are contrary one to another, he says, so that you do not the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What's he saying? 
See, God's Holy Spirit within you. He gave the written law and said, this is, this is what they got to know. But he says, one day I'm going to write my law on their hearts. I think that's what he's referring to when his spirit comes and dwell me. Now his law, his Holy Spirit within me is telling my heart what's right, what's wrong. And his constant battle is still going on. See, the different version, the amplified version, I, I sort of put this one down because I think it breaks these verses down uh, good. It says, but I say unto you, uh, but I say walk habitually in the Spirit. Seek Him, be responsive to His guidance. That means just your daily goal is to walk in that. Are you going to fall short? Yes. But your goal is to strive to habitually uh, do these things. It should be your heart's desire. So now I've, uh, I've come to this point in my life, and, and I, um, I understand that I'm not going to do everything just right. And that I can't do it on my own. And I need God's Spirit within me to direct me. And as best of my ability, I'm going to follow His leadership in my life. <clears throat> so now I'm spiritually mature. I know more about God than any of y'all now. You ever met people like that? My mama used to say they're so heavenly perfect, they're no earthly good. Those that walk around and say, oh, I've arrived. I know what God wants. Let me show you some things, what it means to be spiritually mature, to be, to be as close to sanctified and glorified on this earth as you can be. I think it's just the opposite. And I've got some scripture to prove it. Uh, it, it, it this battle that goes on, and, and now the, the, the older old man has died pretty much and very weak, and the new nature is strong, and you're living for the Lord, and you're doing all this, and does it make you have a big head? I don't think so. See, Paul began his new life. And if you read through the, the scriptures of the writings of Paul, what did he say very early in his ministry? I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. Bye, Cracky. I know everything about God. I know all the Old Testament. I've studied it backwards and forwards. But through all that Paul went through, through the book of Acts is recorded, all his suffering, all his pain, he comes to the end of his ministry and he's writing a, a letter to a young preacher named Timothy. And he says, Timothy, I am the chiefest of sinners. I believe that spiritual maturity is to understand the closer I get to God, the more I see myself for who I really am. Not so you can puff your chest out and say, look at me. Isaiah did this. Wow, what a great man of God Isaiah was. But what happened to him when he got in the presence of a holy God? He fell on his face to the ground and he cried, I'm a man of unclean lips. Who can save me from this? 
That spiritual maturity, the closer you get to God, the more you understand how far you fall short. That spiritual maturity. I believe that with all my heart. So if you're looking for the day that you can puff your chest out and say, I'm the best Christian that ever walked to the face of the earth, you're going the wrong direction, people. Because the closer you get to a holy God, the more you see yourself for what you are. But the more you see a loving God that wants to help you to be like his dear son. That's the truth of the, of the spiritual. That's the truth of being sanctified. That's what Paul says. And we'll go back to our text in Romans chapter 7. What does he say with this when he's fighting and warring back and forth? The things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. And what am I going to do, he says. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. There's some spiritual maturity right there. To understand who he is. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this battle, this war that's constantly going on within me and ripping at my soul? Who can deliver me? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who can deliver you? Jesus Christ. Not only does he save you, he sanctifies you. He's working to conform you into his very image to be just like him. 2 Corinthians 10, just write it down and I'll close. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk not in the flesh, my old nature, we do not, uh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, I, I'm not fighting battles with my own way of thinking. I'm not fighting battles the best Kenny knows how to do it. He says, we're not warring with our with, with according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not selfish. They're not what I can imagine. They're not what I thought daddy told me to do. That's not the weapons of my warfare. What is the weapons of the Christian? What is the weapons of the Christian? That you put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand. So our weapons, our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God are pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity of the obedience of Christ. I hope this helps you to understand. You are justified by faith alone through Christ alone, through his blood shed on the cross. You are sanctified. God has saved you. You're justified. But you know with that justification now with his spirit within you, you'll start to show things that you never thought possible. That's the good works he's talking about in James. But I want you to be very clear today. That doesn't mean that you'll never do anything wrong. So many Christians live such a defeated life because they've messed up once upon a time. And they just can't get past it. They just can't get over it. 
I just can't believe I did that. I got a newsflash for you. God probably knew you was going to do it. Yet he still loved you. Yet Jesus still died for you. If he's over it, you get over it. Go on, claim his graciousness, claim his goodness, claim his forgiveness. Don't let the old nature and Satan defeat you. You have a new way of thinking, a new mindset. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and he has promised to deliver you from the bondage of sin. Don't let sin constantly bring you down. Yes, it ought to, don't get me wrong, if you sin, yeah, you ought to have a little bit of remorse or or whatever. You need to ask God to forgive you for it. But I know Christians that have lived for years and can't get over something they did wrong. It's time to get over it. Jesus' blood covers it all. Calvary covers it all. You got to understand that. And by his grace, he'll make you and conform you, transform you into the image of his dear son. And one day, as I said, the battle will be over. But that's glorification. We're going to talk about that next week. So this Thanksgiving week, you want to be thankful for something? Paul says, I thank my God through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he will deliver me. What a simple thanks. But what a magnificent thing. What a great thing he did to forgive us for our sin and to love us despite ourselves. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. Lord, I pray that you just impress that upon our hearts. Lord, help us not to carry the baggage and these things that would so easily beset us and to bring us down and to discourage us. And Lord, just help us to to just live our daily lives by faith in you, trust in you that you are going to conform and you're going to transform us into what you'd have us to be. If we just surrender our heart and our mind and our will to you, that you'll make us what you want us to be. And that process will take the rest of our lives, Father. We understand that until we stand before you in our glorified body. We thank you and praise you for all that you've done for each one that's come here today. Make your word come alive to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.